your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. From our perspective, we want to talk about GPT chat. Many of you may have heard of it, others may not. All about artificial intelligence and comes in the form of a web chat that will do a lot of work for you. To explain more, we're joined by one of our friends from the tech world, Pat Brown from Munster Business. But uh, Anne-Marie, our producer, um, she's busy this morning at the start of the show, is back with me because you did a bit of a search on this online appropriately, um, but you stumbled across many AI chats. Tell us. Yeah, I didn't realise it was just when I went Googling and I thought oh, artificial intelligence chat, let me find a link. So I did and popped on and started asking questions and there was this picture of a bot who was going to reply to me um, and I decided, you know, I'll throw out questions just to see what kind of answers I get. Who is Joe Nash in Ireland? And I was greeted with Joe Nash is a politician from Northern Ireland and he's a member of the Democratic Unionist Party and I thought this this, <laughs> this chat thing, this chat thing doesn't sound too great at all. You didn't tell me you were going to say <laughs> and, that. And then I said, uh, tell me about, you know, the Limerick Today show on Live 95 and it goes, oh, Oh, it's a regional news programme broadcast every weekday at 7pm on RT Radio 1 and it focuses mainly on blah, blah, blah. And I thought, this this stuff, this artificial we're, we're intelligence... We're obviously doing something seriously wrong. <laughs> artificial intelligence does I not enjoy thought, Limerick today, yeah, apparently on this, anyway. is, this isn't right. I said, maybe so. I said, it's something to do with us. So I asked about, you know, a prominent politician in Limerick and it had all the details wrong about that person as well. So I just thought, this isn't great at all. What's this? You know, everybody was raving about this. So I was taking a closer look and I really realise there's a lot of artificial intelligence chat things out there. This specific one, the GPT one, I had to kind of go and search a little bit for it to find it. So then I looked closely at the store and I thought, oh, OK, so I'll ask about Joan Ash again. <laughs> and then I thought, you know, Joan Ash is like not very traceable online, so <laughs> maybe it'll have difficulty finding you. And of course, it said, I'm sorry, I'm not sure who Joan Ash from Limerick is. Oh, yeah, so right. you're to, now you're really <laughs> enjoying this. <laughs> then I had to ask the question again. They wanted more information, so I said, look, he's a radio presenter and he works with Live 95. And then it replied and said, ah, I see. Joan Ash is a radio presenter. And they had all the details of the station, everything about the programme correct. Right. Can I just say, you're making me sound like the world's most <laughs> egotistical individual here, as if I'd sent you off and said, oh, you didn't. find, I find did out this myself. about me. And Pat Brown is laughing his head off here. But anyway, go on. So anyway, it, the GPT chat did have all the facts right about the show, about the presenter about things in Limerick um, and I just thought this is amazing put in the question lots of information that I knew basically I was asking questions that I knew to be factually correct Joe and you know I should know about the show here that I produce sure. um, so then I decided look this GPT does seem pretty good so let's try and confuse it and I asked who is running for directly elected mayor in Limerick <laughs> <laughs> just to see and yes it did have some data but it wasn't up to date and it couldn't provide everything but it had it it was correct in what it was saying so I thought okay this this stuff is pretty impressive so loads of people in the last week because it's been gaining momentum and getting a lot of publicity have been talking about it I logged on this morning now and I can't access it saying that it's very busy and it's dealing with demand and it's it's not able to answer my questions so within the space of a week it seems the publicity around this this particular GPT chat has taken off. Right, that is really fascinating stuff, uh, Amory. Thank you for that. As I mentioned, Pat Brown from Monster Business is with us. So this is 
the premium version. This is the leading edge we're talking about then. Uh, yeah, so the, the what was actually is available at the moment is the free beta version, which is basically there. It's not gone live yet. So there's a subscription one that you can pay for, where, which gives you access all the time. And what they've done is they've made the kind of the freebie version available for people to try out online. The idea being that they, they use that to actually test their system because they look at the feedback from their results. And, and just for clarity, then, the company behind it? Uh, the ChatGPT is the company themselves. Oh, it's actually, okay. Yeah, that's actually so it isn't one of these joint ventures of one of the companies we already know, is it? It's ChatGPT3, so it's the third iteration of this system. Uh, so now they have funding and they're working with a lot of uh, with tech companies um, because this is literally, this is the cutting edge. The idea being that we're all used to going into Google and typing in what times they're trying to Dublin and you get uh, like results from websites. You don't get an actual answer. You get, you can find the information here. Whereas what ChatGPT is, the, the whole idea of this bot concept is, it's as if you're talking to a person. So you put in a far more detailed question. I'm going on a holiday to Ireland. I'm thinking of taking the trip to Dublin. My husband is very interested in museums. What do you recommend? And it's the same as if you're on the phone to somebody and they'd say, oh, well, there's different ways you could travel. You could go this way, you could this way. These are very interesting museums in Dublin. So it's more than just straight web scraping, uh, which is what a lot of search engines would do, where they pull the content from the website down and give you that. This is meant to be as if you were talking to a person. Pat, can it be verbalized in the way that you and I are chatting to each other now? Yeah, eventually they'll do that. And they're, they're currently offering that with just the English language, but they're going to add additional languages as it goes on. Because that's just text-to-speech, which has been around for, for quite some time. But it's not just for search engines. So this is something that, for example, Microsoft in their new version of Teams, the premium version, will offer a chat GPT-based assistant. So while you're having your meeting, it's taking all the notes and it's saying, Joe made a suggestion about da 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 and will actually, as if somebody was, was taking the minutes of the meeting, not a direct word-for-word translation of what was said, but the ideas that were passed in this meeting. Okay, well, all the meetings that we have here at Live95 are terribly official and uh, nothing mad ever happens at them. But let's assume that elsewhere that sort of meeting takes place or something is said that shouldn't be said. Where does this minute-taking information go? Well, the actual uh, the analysis is online, but again, if you're on a premium system that's secured and isn't accessible to anybody else, the public stuff, again, that information is kind of in the public domain. So that's one of the things people are worried about is the fact that ChatGPT has access to so much data that uh, kind of dodgy individuals may start to use that. So one of the things they're worried about, for example, is that you can get it to write code, computer code. So you can say, write me a program to do, and then you tell it what you want it to do. Now, there are safeguards in place to stop people writing viruses using it, but you can write components that could then be assembled into a virus. Mm. Or the thing that that's most people are worried about at the moment is, you know when you get a spam email, you can kind of tell it's spam. Because it's, congrats, you have won a war, you, know, you have won da-da-da, and it's kind of, the English is bad, and it doesn't read well. The problem that they're looking at, at the main thing with ChatGPT is, it will write you an excellent email that will sound perfectly as if it comes from that bank that you specify and will be an entire uh, phishing email. And somebody gets that because, well, that definitely sounds official. Perfectly phrased, exactly all my information's in it that they have uh, and people are more likely to fall for these kind of things. Right. So that's kind of the, that's most, frightening. the most leading thing, Yeah, uh, the danger that's there. And how close are we to early retirement for communicators and radio broadcasters and contributors like yourself where someone will tune into Live 95 and will hear a perfectly 
coherent conversation as we are having now, but no human beings will be involved in the process. It's not too far away because there is a system now, for example, you can say, um, book me a hair appointment for tomorrow at 10 o'clock and it will ring the hairdressers. It will talk to the person at the other end who doesn't know the talking to a computer and say, could I make an appointment for 10 o'clock tomorrow? And the person says, uh, I have no availability at 10, I could do 11. Yeah, 11, 11, it goes back and checks your schedule. Yeah, 11, 11 is fine. Um, the booking is for Joan Ash, blah, 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 blah. And it will do all the things. And the person at the other end won't know that that's not a, a, a human being, not your actual assistant that they're talking to. It's the, the computer system. I mean, the ethical dilemmas around that are enormous. Yeah, uh, like everything else, it's the potential for it to be abused has to be very much uh, carefully controlled. I mean, for example, will you not legally have to require in that situation you've just outlined that at the beginning, in the same way you have to say things like this conversation is being recorded for training purposes, that the, the bot will say you are speaking to a bot, this is not a real human being and then carry on. Again, that will have to be brought in in legislation and requirements for, for legal stuff like that. But at the moment, it doesn't say that. Um, not in the not in the trial edition versions. You can you can test it out on. So it, it it's not quite there yet. We're not kind of like like at the the T one thousand sort of level yeah. where I need your clothes and your bike sort of stuff. Is that <laughs> quite yet? Um, <laughs> I, I won't spoil it for people who haven't seen it. So this this isn't a spoiler or a spoiler alert. But uh, there's a scene in the second series of the White Lotus, and they happen to be in Italy. And very briefly, the people who can't speak Italian decide to use Google Translate. And somebody makes the point, well, why didn't they use Google Translate a bit more for other parts of the conversation that they were struggling with? So we've seen Google Translate and Star Trek fans will know the universal translator, for example, of all languages. Again, we're very close to that, aren't we? Oh, those are available as commercial products. So Google Translate, I've used it myself on holidays. Uh, I got into a taxi in Poland and the guy was from, uh, I forget what country he was from now, like Sudan or somewhere like that. No English. Um, and I just went, where are you from? He said, you know, Sudan. As I put it, I don't know, it was in Sudan. Put that in, put in English. And then spoke into the phone and then I talked to him in his own language. He was gobsmacked. And he was just kind of looking at me like, but it's, it's the thing that happens is cutting edge becomes mainstream within a very short period of time at the moment. Right. So what, what's leading edge stuff? Like if you look at computer systems, what you're playing games on now was running NASA five years ago, uh, and now you're using it to play games at home. What do we need human beings for at all anymore, then? Well, I always kind of think of um, um, some of the Disney movies, one of the Pixar ones, where they're all floating around on their chairs because they're so lazy and fat that they couldn't even walk anymore. So, you know, that we might be heading that direction. But I think the idea being that some of the jobs that people don't like to do, like call centres and things like that, that could be where this will be used eventually. Um, interacting and helping online, like I said, meeting notes, things like that. Uh, also, the other kind of component of it... Yeah, that sounds is, wonderful unless you work in a call centre. Well, that's the problem, you see. So, what, is, what are those people, you know, the hundreds of people employed, thousands of people employed around the world, what are they going to do now? So, there is that dilemma, because obviously corporates are going to look for what's the cheapest solution. Yeah. We buy this software, get rid of a thousand people. Like you said, it's sort of, what about the thousand people side of things has to come into this at some point. The other point... Pat Brown is are we close enough to apocalypse here now? You know, the control of all of us by the artificial intelligence that we created to make our lives easier. Yeah, and, and in the initial 
testing of quite a few of these artificial systems when somebody said, you know, what's the main trouble that the planet faces? Quite a few of them said, humans. <laughs> so if you start saying, well, running a call centre is one thing. If we put it in charge of launching the missiles, which is like the story behind uh, so many science fiction movies, that they decide, you know what, if we get rid of them, then we won't have any problems anymore. So you've got yeah. the Matrix, you've got the Terminator series, you've got loads of different ones. I mean, so, how close is AI to independent thought? So there is a, um, a a thing called the Turing test, which is where if you're on a chat system with a computer that you don't know that it's a computer, that its responses are so human-like and you can ask it the most obscure thing and the response you get back, the point at which you can no longer tell that it's not a human being at the other side of the keyboard or voice, you know, depending on how it's going to be done. Um, we're not quite there yet, but we're very, very close. And when it's no longer possible to distinguish between interacting with a human and interacting with a very clever computer, mm. that's either an amazing breakthrough or a major issue. Right, because this stuff, this GPT, it can write poetry for you and it can write essays, for example, for college students, you know, all, all of that. But does that mean that it's only the distilled human knowledge created to this point, that there's no new creativity involved and that's the difference that you would still hope there are human geniuses out there like Oscar Wilde or Shakespeare who are doing things beyond the reach of AI yeah and, and again this this ability to pull these things together is also causing issues so for example most colleges use systems like Turnitin where if you've got an essay that you've been asked to submit then you hand it in what they're looking for is did you copy and paste chunks of text from Wikipedia or something like that but because the, 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 the theory or the, 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 the article that's going to be handed in is unique every time, it's very, very difficult for the schools and colleges to pick up on the fact that I just went in and said, write me a two-page essay on mm. you know, electric transport in Ireland for the year 2030. And I get a perfectly written, perfectly plausible, well-phrased, well-written article. And I go, there we go, that'll do it. But <laughs> to be or not to be, that is the question, right? You know. That didn't exist before it was written by a human. So presumably AI is not going to currently anyway be able to produce that touch of genius. Please tell me it's not. No, not yet. Because as you said, what it has is millions of what are called data points. So they've analysed all this, these classical literature articles stuff. They pick up how these documents are created, the basic structure of it. But all it's really doing is it's, it's, it's like doing a mix. It's copying and cutting yes. pieces of it out and assembling it. Then it's reading back over that and says, well, that doesn't sound quite cohesive. Let me just adjust that slightly. But the, like you said, the spark of creativity, the, the amazing song that's never been written, the amazing poem that hasn't been written yet, not there yet. And, and as you say, science fiction is all about the robots rebelling against their human overlords. At what point will humanity rebel against AI? Um, again, it's going to depend on which way this goes. I mean, if you think of it, we now have what's basically the beginnings of a proper artificial intelligence system. At the other side, we have armed robots being used in the army in the US for, you know, armed drones, missiles and so on. So all it takes is those two things to, to connect at some point when we have serious trouble. So um, there are what they call the laws of robotics that Isaac Asimov posed, which is basically saying, first of all, you can do no harm or by inaction cause harm to happen to a human. So they better make sure that those are embedded uh, pretty deep down into the system. So basically, a robot can never kill a human. Even though humans have been killed by robots, 
So the first person to die was on an assembly line in Japan when a robot accidentally crushed him and didn't realise that he was there. So that system is meant to avoid that problem, but it's just code and code can be overwritten. So I don't want to sound like we're all doomed, but certainly then we may reach a point where somebody's going to say, okay, right, enough. Okay, we don't want robots walking around the street. We don't want this, you know, keep it to where they do their job. But then again, companies and corporates will always look to save as much money as they can. And a delivery robot is cheaper than a delivery driver. So that's where it's all that kind of start. <laughs> fascinating, really fascinating. Well, listen, thank you as always. This is Pat Brown from Monster Business talking to us about this GPT chat. And thanks to Anne-Marie uh, as well uh, for her research on it. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today.